0: Luke chapter 22 beginning in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but how much faith do you have? Mustard seed? More? Less? It's going to be tested, folks. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more it's going to be tested. And there's one individual behind this testing. And no, it's not the president, it's not the governor, it's not the mayor, folks. It is Satan himself. Now, Satan is a real being, and Satan is in the world today. There are at least a couple of different attitudes about Satan. There are those who just deny that he exists. They have the attitude that, well, the devil's just some creature that preachers made up, imagined to try to get people to obey them and do what they say. And then there are some of those who actually, and I understand we have some in our city who do this, who actually meet to worship the devil himself. So you've got this broad range of attitudes towards Satan, but I'll say again to you, he is very, very real. If a person believes any portion of the Bible, believes anything about the Bible, believes the Bible is the Word of God, they will have to believe in the existence of Satan. He was there in the very beginning. You find him first appearing in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. And he's there throughout the Bible. God's word describes him. God's word warns us about him. And the scripture gives us accounts of Satan before God. And God dealing with Satan and talking to Satan. And then Satan dealing with men. How many are familiar with the book of Job? I'm sure you all are. God said to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And Satan says, "Yeah, he's just worshiping you because you built a hedge around him and because of what you give him." And God said to Satan, "You can have him, you can't take his life, but you can eventually he said, "You can affect even his health." And Job remained faithful to God. Satan has great power. He took Job's family, he took Job's fortune. Really, he took Job's friends because his so-called friends came to him and accused him of having something in his life that put him out of fellowship with God. You know, there are people who will do that. If you start having problems in your life, they'll say, well, you're not right with God, and that's why you're having problems. And that's not always the case, is it? Amen. Sometimes it's the testing of the devil. Sometimes it's Satan working on us, trying to get us not to serve God. Satan has great power, but thank God Satan's powers are limited. Amen. Satan can go no farther than God allows him to go. Remember, he told Satan concerning Job, he said, you can have everything that he has, you can affect his health, but you can't take his life. And so God can limit Satan. Satan is not omnipresent. That means he can't be everywhere at one time. And aren't you thankful? I've said before, I'm always grateful when some preacher says to me, boy, the devil was at my church Sunday. I'm thinking, well, he wasn't at mine then. But the devil has demons. You know, a third of the angels rebelled against God with Lucifer. And they became what we call as. Do you say, preacher, do you really believe in demons? Yes, I do. And I would warn these young people because I've had a young person, church member who got caught up in dabbling with the satanic. Don't you do it. Leave it alone. Avoid it. Run from it if you have to. It is very, very dangerous. But Satan is real and Satan has Demons, and so if he can't be everywhere at one time, he can, do you believe that there are demon spirits here this morning? Yes, I do. Amen. And they may be standing right over your shoulders, trying to get you not to listen to the Word of God, trying to get you not to pay attention to what is said in this message this morning. So either himself or through his demons, Satan can influence people throughout the world. And I think we've seen some folks in our world, who were influenced by demons and by Satan, if not demon-possessed. I believe Hitler was one of those. Maybe Stalin was one of those. We've seen others, and we see them many times even in our own nation. But listen to this. Satan cannot take a child of God away from God. Aren't you thankful for that? He has great power, but he can't take you away from God. But here's what he does if he can't take you away from God. He seeks to do the very next best thing. You know what that is? To take your life away from service of God. Amen. Satan wants you to live like the world. Satan wants me to live like the world. He would love to get into this preacher and into this pulpit to destroy this church. Amen. And so Satan wants God's people to live like the world, to have the world's attitudes toward Faithfulness toward the Bible, toward God, toward morals, toward everything else. Satan wants us to live that way because he is the declared and avowed enemy of God. So he seeks to rob our life of faithfulness to God. In our text, did you see what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Satan wants you. I could stand here today and look over this crowd and say, Satan wants you. Just as bad as he wanted Peter because... What did Jesus say? Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. And that is exactly, it means exactly what it says. Now I've never sifted wheat but I've sifted flour. I used to bake bread and so you put the flour in the sifter and we had the old kind, you know these new ones you squeeze like that. We had the old time where you had to crank and it ran that flour through that sifter. I've done that. And every time I read that verse I think of Satan just taking Peter and putting him in a sifter and just cranking the handle on him. That's what Satan desires to do to us. He wants to gain possession of our minds. And the world's working hard at it today, folks. He wants to gain possession of our lives. He wants to use us, since he can't take us away from God, he wants to use us to turn people away from God. How many times have you heard people say there's too many hypocrites in the church? more than you can count, right? You know why people say there's too many hypocrites in the church? Because there's too many hypocrites in the church. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that one. But it's true. We have a fourth of our membership present here today. A fourth. 25% of our membership. Where's the rest of them? I realize some are ill, some can't come because of age and where they are and things like that. I realize that. But there's a great number who just said, I don't want to go. There's other things I'd rather do. It's not that important to me to go. And he'll use them and use me and use you to turn people away from Christ. So his ultimate goal is to get into the lives of as many saved people as possible and turn them away from God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, Peter wrote this, Be sober, be vigilant. For the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, if we got a news flash, if that little bleep on my cell phone a few moments ago had been a news flash that said, there's lions loose in the parking lot, how many of you would go outside? I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, Brother Rick would. <laughs> Nothing scares him, right? He's a Harley rider, right? Nothing scares him. Now, I wouldn't even go out for li- If they said snakes were in the parking lot, I wouldn't go out either. You know? Why? Because lions are dangerous. Because lions are ferocious and against Satan just like a lion. You know what he wants to do with me and you? He wants to eat us up. And what's sad is he has eaten up some of God's people in this church, folks. You and I, in our own strength, are no match for the devil. Amen. Only in Christ. And Christ has to defend us against him. He only seeks to damage and destroy and devour. And I will guarantee you, as I said a moment ago, if your faith has never been attacked, you just wait. Amen. Because your faith, if you try to live for Christ, if you try to live for the Lord, your faith will be attacked by the devil. Amen. You can just mark it down. And so it's imperative that we know how to counter Satan's attack, right? we're going to look at that in just a moment we're going to start out by talking about the believers personal faith and we're going to repeat some things that we said throughout this series and by the way i don't know whether this is the last message in this series or not we'll wait and see next week but i'm going to repeat some things that we said in this series and some verses of scripture that we said already and one of them first one is hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 which says but without faith it is impossible to please him talking about god you cannot please god without faith Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We come to God in faith. From the very beginning God simply intended that man just believe him. That mankind just trust him. Now listen. If Adam and Eve had believed God, had trusted God, had taken God at his word we wouldn't have a sin problem today, wouldn't we? At least from Adam and Eve, because they would have resisted the devil. But they didn't do that, and Eve listened to Satan, and then she gave to Adam, and he didn't obey God. And so mankind fell into sin. And from that time, based on God's principle of reproduction in the first chapter of Genesis, everything shall bring forth after its kind, all mankind could produce was sinners. Separated from God and in need of a Savior. If Abraham and Sarah had just believed God, God said, I'm going to give you a son in your old age. And they figured it out this way. Well, God intends for us to have a child by Hagar and call him our son. And God said, no. And then God gave them Isaac. And now we have the problem that we have in the Middle East today because of unbelief. God cannot be pleased without faith. We need to jot that down mentally somewhere. Keep that ever before us. God cannot be pleased without faith. Do you realize that you need faith in God for your personal stability? Just to live day to day. James chapter 1 verse 6. James says the faithless believer is like a wave of the sea. You just think about the ocean. The waves coming in and the waves going out. Or you think about the ocean in a high wind, maybe in a hurricane. And the waves are tossed. And in fact, what he says is about the believer, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That word tossed means agitated. Have you ever been agitated? And I don't mean agitated, meaning upset with your husband or with your wife. Well, obviously somebody has. I mean living an agitated life. You just can't seem to find any peace. You can't seem to find any rest. It's this way one day and another way the next day. And it's just concern and worry and difficulty and problems. And you're worried about it all the time. That's what James is talking about. Listen, faith in God gives purpose to our life. And it gives life to our purpose. You just trust God. It gives us something to hold on to when time gets rough. You know, in our van up above the passenger seat, and I let Joni drive the van. I gave her the best vehicle. I took, you know. Amen. But up above the passenger seat, there's a handle. And I hold on to it a lot. When I, not that she's a bad driver, <laughs> but why? It's some stability, right? Think of that handle as Faith. When times are difficult, when times are rough, just grab hold of faith, grab hold on to that handle. And it gives us a reason to rejoice when things are going well, doesn't it? Faith, trust in God. You realize two of mankind's greatest needs are to love and to be loved. That's what most people, that's what every person needs. And faith in God fills both. It'll help you love and it'll help you to feel love, to be loved. It assures us that when everybody else has forsaken us, God's still there. Well, is there a biblical example of that? Well, certainly in the book of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in verse 17. In fact, let's just turn over there for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And in fact, let's go back to verse 16. Paul had appeared before Caesar. And he says this. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. If you ever been there, everybody forsook you. You're looking for some help, for some company, for somebody to stand with you, and just nobody's there. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God, listen to this attitude. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Paul didn't get mad at people didn't stand with him. He prayed for them. Somebody doesn't stand with you, don't get mad at them. That happens all too often in the Lord's churches today. Somebody disagrees with you, people get mad. No, pray for them, especially if they're not right according to the Word of God. Pray for them. But then he says this, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul said, here I was, nobody helping me. Nobody to take care of me. I didn't get mad at him." because I knew God was with me. Have you ever felt all alone? Just nobody? Guess what? If you're a child of God, you're no, never alone. That wonderful song that was saying, You're never alone. God will stand with you. Hebrews 13 verse five, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we are not alone. If you're a child of God, you're not alone. And faith enables us to love others also. It helps us know that we're loved, and we're not alone, but it helps us to love others. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. There's some people in this world, the only way you can love them <laughs> is by the grace of God, you know. And here's one of them right here. The only way you can love them. It's because of the love of God in your heart. But we're told to love others and we're able to love others. All believers have exercised faith in the salvation, but few to saved people exercise faith in their daily living. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 reminds us what? We just studied it. it. says the just shall live by faith. If you're a child of God, you're going to live trusting God. How do we obtain that faith? Romans ten seventeen: faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Word of God strengthens and builds up your faith as a child of God. And then James says this because listen, Bible study alone will not grow your faith. Amen. You say, What, preacher? I said it, I'll say it again Bible study alone. I'm just going to sit around all day and read the Bible, and that's going to grow my faith. No, it won't. Because listen to what James said in James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. You have to exercise your faith. What happens to a person who just sits around and never exercises, never gets up and walks, never does anything? What happens to their muscles? They go weak. They can't even sometimes hold themselves up. You have to exercise. And so we have to do the same thing with faith. The trying of your faith, the scripture says, does what? Works patience, it works endurance. Endurance gives us experience, experience gives us hope. The only way to grow in faith is to exercise what we study in the word of God. As we learn the promises of God, we prove them through practice and our faith increases. James said in James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. He said the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. That's what he's saying right there. That perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Satan causes Believers to doubt God many times simply because we have never allowed our faith to grow by exercising our faith. We need to grow our faith to exercise our faith. Well, then there's Satan's attacks on believers. That's said Satan will attack you. If you're a child of God, if you're trying to serve God, now listen, if you're a child of God, you're out of fellowship with God, out of fellowship with the Lord's church, you're living like the world, Satan's going to leave you alone. He's got you right where he wants you. You're doing his work. But if you're a child of God who's trying to live for the Lord, maybe trying to witness to others, certainly invite others to church, certainly to be faithful to serve the Lord through one of his churches, Satan will attack you. He didn't wait long before he began his attack on the humans, did he? Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Remember the command that God gave Adam? Adam was, I understand, supposed to share with Eve. He said... Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but what? But of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Literally in dying thou shalt die a double death. You're going to die physically, and you're going to die spiritually. And so Satan comes along. And Satan did what he's always done. He challenged the Word of God. He created doubt about the Word of God in the heart of Eve. And what did he say to her? He said, Yea, hath God said. Does the Bible really say that? Did God really say that? Oh, you can't believe what God says. You can't believe what the Bible says. It's just an old book full of stories and myths. and So you can't believe it. Yes, you can. Because the Bible is the divinely inspired and inerrant Word of God. All Adam and Eve had to do was to trust God, believe what God had said. Instead, they listened to Satan's lie. Satan basically told Eve that God is a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want you to have any fun. If you'll just disobey him, eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be equal to him. And that's been his lie and their religion's built on that lie even today. Adam and Eve listened and here we are today. Born sinners needing the grace of God and faith in Jesus Christ to save us. David, and I wrote about this just recently, put it on our page and on, in our group. But you know, have you ever noticed how you can read the Bible? How long have I been preaching and pastoring? A bunch of years, and I've read and read and I've read this, and the other day I looked at it, and a light came on just like that. First Chronicles chapter twenty one verse one. Listen carefully. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Satan didn't stand up against David. Satan stood up against Israel. And he provoked David to number Israel. What was David, why did he number Israel? He wanted to know if his army was large enough. Well, what had God told him to do? Don't number them. God had said, you trust me. You depend upon me. Don't worry about numbering how big an army you can put together. I'll go to battle for you. But Satan stood up against Israel and fought against Israel by getting David to number his army. See, Satan will stand up when he tempts you to sin, tempts me to sin. Satan's standing up against God. And Satan's standing up against this church. And Satan's standing up against the word of God and he's going to use you and he's going to use me to do harm to the reputation of God, to the reputation of this church, or the reputation of the word of God. Isn't it amazing how you read these things, and all of a sudden you say, oh, and there it was. So God wanted David to trust him. David displeased him, and what happened? David was given his choice of how to be punished, and a bunch of people in the nation of Israel died because of David's sin. One person, yeah, he may have been the king, but one person, and yet he brought death upon many, many people. We are reading in our text about Satan's attack upon Peter's faith. Listen to what Peter says again in our text. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to, with thee both into prison and to death. Lord, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'm going to stand for you. Lord, I'm going to live for you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you know me. And it happened just the way that Jesus said it would happen. Why? Because Satan sifted Peter as wheat. Satan will attack God's people. Remember what happened at the arrest of Jesus? Three times. One was a maid, a young girl. And she said, he's one of the disciples of Jesus. And Peter said, man, I don't know him. And three times... Satan took him and sifted him. Peter was a saved man. When Jesus says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren, he means when you quit depending on yourself. When you start depending on God, when you exercise some faith, strengthen your brethren. You can't do that until you grow in faith, Peter. And so Peter's faith was tested and successfully attacked. Satan will use anything possible to attack me and to attack you. Anything to these young people. Especially in this world today. Well, my goodness, you can become a YouTube star. Just get something wild and crazy and and a little bit immoral and, and put that and people will tune in. You can become a star that way. Fame, fortune. How many young people grow up with the dream of fortune in their eyes? I'm not working on my first million. I'm working on my second. I gave up on the first, you know. I mean, just all of that's hung out there for us. He will use false religion and he will use false preachers to cash in on the ignorance and superstition of some folks to lead them away from God. He'll use our egos. I've thought it's interesting since I finally checked out the word me in the Greek. The Greek word that translated to me is spelled in the English E G O. It's all about me. It's all about my. I want to talk about me. Remember that old song? That's the attitude. Ego. Prejudice. Our world is still full of prejudice. Now, prejudice is not always, I'm going to share this with you, prejudice just means a preference. It's not always racial. We hear about it in that term today, but it's not always that. We may just be prejudiced against someone because we don't like the way they dress. Well, he didn't dress, she didn't dress the way they ought to dress, and so we're not going to invite them to church. Well, maybe they need to come to church and Here's something about godly standards and morals. I don't know. But ego and, and prejudice, he will even use our feelings and our emotions to attack us. Amen. People get their feelings hurt and they don't come to church. I'm going to quit. I told Johnny the other day, if anybody ought to be able to say that, it ought to be the pastor. Amen. You want me to tell you how many times I've had my feelings hurt as a pastor? No, I, don't, I can't count them all. Still here. Because Satan's not going to use that. And his chief present day devices are rebellion and humanism. I will not do what God says to do. Well, you better do, especially if you're a child of God. Do you realize that all disobedience to God is rebellion? As a child of God, if you just say, well, God wants me to do this, but I'm going to do this. You have just rebelled against God. And we have to follow his leadership. And humanism is basically the worship of the creation over the creature. Humanism worships the human. No, it's not humans that deserve worship. It is God that deserves our worship. And then here's something else Satan may use in our lives to attack us. He may use tragedy. The sudden loss of a loved one. An accident. And here's what people will do. Because I talked to a young lady like this one time. She said, I wouldn't worship a God who'd let my mother die. How sad. First of all, God didn't let your mother die. Your mother had a disease called living in a body that tracked with sin. God told Adam, and the day that you disobey me and dying, you're going to die. You'll die spiritually first and you're going to die physically. And that's why we die, because of the sin principle. But I, this young lady said, She wouldn't worship God. He'd let her mother die. She'd prayed. And God didn't answer her prayer the way she thought he ought to answer. So she just quit serving God. Wouldn't worship God. So he may use tragedy to cause us to turn away from God. Now, right quickly, how do you counter those attacks by Satan? Well, God's given us instruction and example. Aren't you glad he's given us example? He's given us instruction and example. Here's the instruction. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Keep the order, by the way. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does it mean to submit? It's a military term. It means to arrange in order under. You know, the sergeant doesn't tell the general what to do. The lieutenant doesn't tell the colonel what to do. There is an order in the military, and this was a military term. So just understand, God's God. I'm not God. I ought to do what God says. I don't tell God what to do. Submit yourself to God. Then he says, resist the devil. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. Well, it's hard to resist the devil. We're supposed to resist him. Resist the devil and what will happen? He will flee from you. There are times that Jesus said, I know he was talking to Peter, but Satan was using Peter, that Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. And that's what we need to be telling the devil. He tempts us, get behind. I'm not listening to you, devil. I'm not listening to you, Satan. Get behind me. Leave me alone. I am not going to follow what you want me to do. Now, just because he runs away doesn't mean he's gone for good. He's sneaky. And what he'll do is he'll run away and he'll circle back around and come at you from another angle. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And then he says what? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You know how to put the devil at bay for good? You just stay close to God. Just keep close to God. Don't get away from God. Here's the order. Submit, resist, and draw nigh. Oppose the devil. Stand against him. And stay close to God. And then Jesus showed us in Matthew, and you're familiar with what took place here, but I'm going to share it with you right quickly. Jesus showed us in Matthew how to resist the devil. See, you don't just say, well, devil, I'm stronger than you because you're not. Here's what you do. Remember, Jesus had been... Fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and Satan came to him afterwards. Remember the first test Satan gave him? He said, you know, if you don't eat for 40 days and 40 nights and you're living in the flesh, you're going to be hungry. And Satan says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus quoted scripture. And he said in verse four, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How did Jesus meet the temptation of Satan? He met him with the word of God. And then Satan takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, jump off. Because there's a verse of scripture somewhere that says God will use his angels to catch you. And he won't let any harm come to you. Now, what Satan's doing is twisting scripture. And he'll do that. He'll use preachers to do that. And Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus met him with scripture. Verse 10 there in Matthew chapter 4 Satan takes him up to a high place, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, you can have it all if you'll just fall down and worship me. And folks, I think that's a lie that most of God's people are falling for today. See, we want it all. Yes, I want a good reputation as a church member, but I want everything the world has to offer too. You can't have both. Not in the sight of God. Satan takes Jesus up. He says, you can have it all if you'll just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I tell you what, some of God's people today are bowing down and worshiping Satan because they've forgotten this instruction from the Word of God. One of the very first commandments in the Ten Commandments, don't worship anybody but God. I'm going to say this, not that anybody has tried to do it, but I'm going to say this. I appreciate your love as your pastor, but don't worship your pastor. We don't even worship the church. We worship God. And no one else. Every time Jesus was tested by Satan. Jesus met Satan with the word of God. You know what that teaches us? I said there was the instruction. Here's the example. You got to hide God's word in your heart. If you're going to counter Satan's attacks. The 119th Psalm verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. That I might not sin against thee. You can't. Be ignorant of the word of God and battle Satan and win. You've got to know the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's something else Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, I have prayed for you. By the way, John 17, did you know that Jesus has prayed for you? He's prayed for you and he's prayed for me. You say, where is that preacher? I hadn't planned on this. This will take just a moment. But John chapter 17, this is the real Lord's prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed. And he says in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone. He's talking about his apostles and his disciples. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. You know why we have believed on the Lord? Because the word of Jesus, the word of God passed down from those apostles, those disciples to others who were saved, who passed it to others who were saved. We talked this morning in Sunday school about judgment beginning at the last and working back to the first. There's a good example of it. Those apostles had a part in my salvation. You say, that was 2,000 years. Yes, but they led somebody to the Lord who led somebody to the Lord, 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 who led me to the Lord. You never know what effect, how many of us, especially our, our younger folks, how many of you are familiar with the butterfly effect? You read that book? A butterfly on the other side of the world flaps its wings, but it creates a stir in the air that goes all the way around the world. No man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. Your life has an effect on other people. We need daily folks to be praying for one another. If we want to be a strong church, if we want to be a church that glorifies God, if we want to be a kind of church that God wants us to be, we need on a daily basis to pray for one another. All of our brothers and sisters in Christ, those that are not here, those that are here, those that would be here if they could be here, I mean, just all of them praying for them. And then i tell you one other, get ready to close And you expect this one, faithful attendance to all of the services of this church will help you resist the devil. I'm going to put it up on our sign. I don't know if I'll do it this week or next week or when, but I said, I'm going to put on the sign. We focus on God's word or our focus, the focus of this church is on the word of God. Because that's the only thing that's going to strengthen us and make us what God wants us to be. So you can expect when you come here, maybe this is just for those folks who are watching by way of live stream, I don't know, but but you can expect when you come to this church to hear the word of God, to hear the word of God taught in the Sunday school class, to hear the word of God preached from this pulpit and we're not going to cut back on it. We're not going to try to soften it so it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. If the word of God hurts your feelings, pardon my grammar, I ain't apologizing for it. Now, if I hurt your feelings, I will. But if what God says hurts your feelings, you need to take it up with the one who wrote it, with the one who said it, and he'll set you straight. You say, Boy, you must have had some vinegar for breakfast this morning or something. <laughs> yeah. Fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, folks, will help us to resist the devil. I need your fellowship, and you need each other's fellowship if we're going to be strong. We must realize today more than ever that we're in a deadly battle. A spiritual war is going on inside of us and all around us. What have we just studied from Galatians 5? That the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And these two are contrary to one another. So you cannot do the things that you would. Every time the Holy Spirit wants to move me to serve God, my flesh is saying, don't you do it. That's not as much fun as what I can get you to do. And every time my flesh is saying, here's what you need to do, the Holy Spirit's saying, don't you do it. It's not good for you. You need to listen to God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is not with each other. Our battle is not with the lost people of the world. We are in a spiritual war, folks, on a daily basis. And Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 13 tell us if we're going to withstand, we must be clothed in God's armor. Don't allow your faith to get misplaced by putting it in man or putting it in the things of this world. As a child of God dedicates himself to Christ and submits himself to actively serving him, he will find the grace to resist the devil. Remember this. This is simple, but remember it. The sheep Cannot fight the wolf, the shepherd can, and only the shepherd can defeat the wolf. May we learn to depend upon Lord Jesus Christ, who is our great shepherd, to defeat the devil and defend us against the devil in our lives. And when Satan does attack, because he will, I tell you a little secret: every once in a while, this preacher gets down, gets discouraged gets depressed. I know where it's coming from, from Satan himself. So it'll happen to you. You say, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I need you. Lord, strengthen me during this time. I want to serve you.